0: This is Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by Anderson, Augustino and & Keller, Attorneys at Law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino and & Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com.
1: Welcome to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Pete Sampson and Tim O'Malley. We're here to preview Notre Dame-Boston College. Notre Dame leaving tonight, Thursday, to get to Boston. A 13-point favorite against a Boston College team that's 1-1 and that turned the ball over four times last week. I think three of them led directly to touchdowns. So Boston College reeling a little bit. Notre Dame coming off a one-point loss. Played good football defensively, but obviously not enough offensively. It'll be interesting to see what the Irish uh, do in terms of offensive approach against a Boston College team, like always, is good against the run. Um, Guys, what are your thoughts on Notre Dame bouncing back from uh, the loss to Georgia in the game
2: at Boston College this weekend? I'm most interested to see how the quarterback bounces back because I I think everything else will be just – as it was before Georgia showed up. Um, I'm. I don't want to. I don't want this to come across as like, man, I'm really concerned about Brandon Wimbush. But I'm not gonna sit there and just say, well, of course he'll be fine, because um, I we just haven't seen enough to know. And Boston College's defense is really good. So that is the by far the most interesting thing to me about this weekend, because I think Notre Dame will win by double digits. But how Brandon Wimbush plays in response to what happened last week, I think, is is critical for the rest of the season. That's the num- easily the number one thing for me to watch because BC has
3: pretty good secondary. They will have a great scheme. They have Harold Landry coming off the edge, and you can rattle a quarterback in his first road start. Although in theory you shouldn't be more rattled than you were with it seemed like fifteen athletes coming at you the entire <laughs> time against Georgia. But BC is will play sound defense against Notre Dame. They 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 almost always play very sound opportunistic defense against Notre Dame, and I I don't think Brandon Wimbush
2: gets out of this game without an interception, do you? Probably not. No. But no, and that, I mean, that, they, And they, depending on where it is, it
3: can matter in this game.
2: They have really good safety play. Um, Will Harris, I think, is excellent. I think he's just sort of the next follow-up to some of the guys, Simmons and Johnson, over the last couple of years who have been very good out there. So, yeah, I think yeah, it's reasonable to expect a first-year starting quarterback to throw a pick in his first mm-hmm. road start. I mean... When you say it out loud, you're like, well, of course he's going to throw an interception. Right,
3: right, They've struggled quite a bit on the road, um, I was going to say, under Brian Kelly, but that's not fair because it's been for 20 years. Um, in the opening road game, Blue Holtz was 9-2. They are 5-15 since at Notre Dame. A lot of that is Michigan and Michigan State. Um, you know, there's no rule that you can't beat Michigan and Michigan State, though, either at Notre Dame, so it's not really an excuse. Yeah. Kelly's 2-5, and five. Um, kind of some weird things in there. Like, you probably shouldn't have the crazy Virginia win but one of his losses to open the road season was Florida State.
0: That's <laughs> not really fair. <laughs> oh, first, yeah. Road game of the year. year.
3: I'm not sure you need to penalize him for that one. I was like, yeah, what season was that? <laughs> yeah, that's a strange thing. But, yeah, they need to be better on the road. They know it. Power five teams, they struggle on the road. But BC is going to be one of the – aside from the, the rivalry, and you know how well BC is going to play against Notre Dame, Notre Dame is much better than BC.
1: They are. I, and I don't – you know, I the only – somebody on our message board said it would be – Embarrassing to struggle against Boston College. I mean, good Notre Dame teams have struggled against Boston College. It would be embarrassing to lose to Boston College or, or have to be or to allow, uh, to allow more than 13 or 14 points, I think would be um, a poor performance by Notre Dame. But, you know, I think I'm going to go back to what I've said since the Georgia game. I think Brandon Wimbush's performance goes hand in hand with the offensive line's performance. If Harold Landry is creating havoc all day it it will make it very difficult for for Brandon Wimbush but you know there's also the theory that well he's been in the program for three years he should be better than this it just doesn't it just doesn't work that way are there exceptions to the rules certainly but in this game the complexity of defenses uh, the decisions that a quarterback has to make against the complexities of a defense only come with time and experience and seeing it and feeling it having bad performances, bouncing back from bad performances. I'd like to think that Brandon Wimbush would do that, but I but i don't think that it can happen if the offensive line performs anywhere close to what it did last week.
2: I've said it many times, progress for a young player is not a straight line.
1: And right. Oh, absolutely. So I think
2: especially a quarterback. Yes, especially a quarterback. Now, you mentioned Harold Landry. Uh, Georgia had like seven Harold Landrys, yeah, sure <laughs> and Boston College only has one. So that makes a pretty big difference. I'd like to see the offense acknowledge that opposed to just, well, you know what? We're running our spread and the tight ends always have to go out and, you know, maybe the running back will stay in. Maybe he won't. Uh, I don't know if they did a great job of that last week against Georgia when you watch the tape and you're like, maybe you should have more than five guys blocking. Um you know whether you have Durham Smythe, where Landry is, or you know Mac can at least chip him. Landry will be over or, right Yeah, And back. if you have a running back yeah, in he,
1: the backfield for the sole purpose of blocking,
2: always be on Landry's side. <laughs> he's
3: he's going to play a lot of the, of the right side. I yeah. hope yeah, so. Yeah, he's going to.
2: I mean, right yeah. I, I mean, I hope that they can account for that right. in a, in a right. way that they struggled to last week. Now that goes back to what I said initially that. Georgia had seven Harold Landry, so you can't account for all of them. Yeah, you can't oh, count for saying, Lorenzo
3: Carter and David and Bell, and right. he wins the game. You're
1: that saying is. Landry's going to line up on McGlinchey's side? No, no, oh, no he's going to line up. Right he's going to line up, and yeah, that, is, that shots. makes more sense. Yeah. As much as McGlinchey struggled, yeah, no, uh, he will take his shots on that side yeah, in passing, sc- in obvious in the, passing situations. It, yeah,
3: because you know, I mean, if you're playing field boundary, he could have to line up. On, hey, Notre Dame doesn't have
1: 13 drops, do they? I count
3: 10. I mean, when I grade him, just because otherwise I don't remember it happening. Yeah,
2: so so people know what you're talking about. There was a tweet <laughs> from uh, Pro Football Focus who does some kind of next-level statistical stuff that O'Malley and I do quite a bit of, and they tweeted out that Norman had 13 drops through two games and had 24 all last year. I don't, I don't believe. agree it, with Norma the is. 24. The yeah. 13 is overstated, because that includes, I think, three from Alize Mack. Yeah. Two from St. Brown. Yeah, and, and two from Claypool. The
3: Smythe drop, he like <laughs> that's a, that's a tough one. I, Is that like, considered a drop? That's what they're considering. Are you gonna yeah. ding
2: Fink for a drop? I
3: am because you gotta make the play.
2: Yeah, it was a tough play. Yeah. I mean, even the first one to Saint Brown, I thought it was a drop when I watched right. it. And then when I just was like frame by frame, he gets raked before the ball shows yeah, up. Yeah, it was a
3: combination of underthrown pass and not everything done right.
2: Yeah, really. I mean he was he was getting interfered with. Before the ball shows up,
3: maybe we should just say it should have been a touchdown. And he didn't catch yeah. it. That's, but yeah,
2: but I like I'm fine being a tough grader on that. But overall, I I think that Norian's receivers have been underwhelming, but not in terms of drops. They don't have a drops
3: issue. Mac had a drops issue through two games because he shouldn't have more than one. Right? I mean, he has at least three. Uh, no, that some of the grades are really tough. I mean, Cam Smith has one, but what it was I don't know. When you're dropping a screen that's going to be a two yard catch against Temple. It's really not the end of the world drop either. Like that's right. that's where the stat is getting skewed. Oh, they're dropping the ball so much. It wasn't all against Georgia when they needed it. They the, came yeah, the ball. It's
2: just not. On that subject, I wrote about this yesterday. I Notre, I think Notre Dame has a a receiver problem, Um, and it's going to hurt Acquavini Saint Brown this year because in the it's not the same thing as well. We had Michael Floyd and we got creative with them. We had Tyler Eiffel, and we got creative with them. We had Will Fuller and we got creative with them because then you had T.J. Jones, DeVaris Daniels, Tyler Effort was a. Sort of a compliment to Floyd back then. And really even, good one. Even Fuller was senior. Chris Brown, senior yeah. Amir Carlisle, oh, and up and coming Tory Hunter Jr. Yeah, his
3: junior year, or his sophomore year, he had a good Corey Robinson.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like what St. Brown is has right now is unproven Cam Smith, injured Freddie Canteen, Chris Fink, who I think could be good, Claypool, who's inconsistent with his hands. Like, there's just not the guy on the bench. They, they don't. Yeah. They're, they just don't have guys to sort of rotate through and take the pressure off St. Brown, at least until Stefferson returns at yeah. some point.
1: Well, you know, and, I, and Fink's in the starting lineup this week because of Freddie Cantine's injury. I think most people are probably excited about that because Freddie Cantine has been underwhelming. And Chris Fink was good last November or started to emerge last November. Talking to him yesterday, I mean, he considers that last play a drop it was because, catchable yeah for sure. i mean where, where he thinks you know that's kind of hard when you're like sliding to make a yeah. catch your pad levels all over the place sometimes but,
3: the point of the game is when you're just like yeah it's got to be a catch but you know, he, his his, his
1: point was and talking to him about you know you had to prove yourself to denbrock then you had to prove yourself all over again to, to alexander and he's like i basically feel like i gotta prove myself every time i go out there which is the he says i feel like you know like i have to think like a walk on meaning I'm a walk on I have to overachieve not play like a walk on yeah. but you know overachieve and I think I think that's the the right frame of mind and I think he can help you know he's not going to be a huge difference maker they in the one passing more game but guy can help be better than him.
3: This yeah, oh, I right agree. Well may, may, like, maybe
1: maybe Cam Smith is that guy I, I think if you put him in Mike more Nash, playmaking yeah. situations and and obviously yes Elsay Mack is I know a lot of people want to give up on LSA Mack sure. there's no waiver wire man you got to put you got to you've got to keep coaching him up and keep sending that stud out there and hope to get his head right cuz his head's not right when he's when he's making drops
3: We talked about Fink uh in November last year and in August I think we said Fink should definitely be involved in the passing game more so than some of these guys but you don't want him to be your 2nd best receiver yeah. you need him to be your third or fourth yeah, maybe and then where he they can are be really now. effective though if he's your third or fourth yeah, you know, really effective. Yeah,
1: Mack and I. Yeah, I mean even Cam Smith yeah. uh, have to be better than Chris Fink, I guess. But I think they need Fink in the the rotation because he's. I mean, the last six or so games, he's going back to last year. He's been pretty good. Yeah, and I, th- I
2: think it's fair to look at Michael Young and acknowledge that a month from now he'll be a lot better than yeah. he is right now right. because he's just starting well, the same his reason, The same reason you needed Michael Young on the field last week was the
1: same <laughs> reason you needed Dexter Williams. Right. To get a couple touches too, you you need a home run. You need somebody to. You can't get anything with any consistency. You need a home run. Who can give us that home run? Those are a couple guys. Georgia
3: found it with Swift on the forty yard game. That's what. That's why they scored one more point than Notre Dame. They had a big play like that. That was if Notre had another throw a forty yard play in there. Things are okay right yeah. now. It's they really desperately needed something like that because you could just tell it was not going to get strung together.
2: Yeah, I mean, Lucas Swift. He had three touches. One was a forty-yard run. The other one was a two-yard run. The other one was a minus four-yard catch. I believe and, he had. And a, all we remember is he, he had 15, win the game,
3: right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah he had a fifteen-yarder that was negated by a penalty too. They had a lot of those.
2: Yeah. So yeah, it's. And I maybe think that was Hardman I and mean, one of those two. I feel like the running back rotation is more just a curiosity this weekend because I don't. Like, they could not play Dexter Williams at all, and it won't make a difference um, this weekend, at least in the box score and the result of the game. It will make a difference in the post-game press conference and on message boards. Um, But, look, there's... Somebody brought this up to me, and their interest in Dexter Williams was less about Dexter Williams and more about, like, how about not running Josh Adams into the ground? And Josh Adams has had some limps and pains the last couple of weeks in game it's been noticeable you know he's played through them he's a tough dude but I you I went over the last two games and I've got Josh Adams at 128 snaps and Dexter Williams at seven that doesn't make much sense to me um so they they got to work him into the rotation when the game's on the line at some point I would This weekend will be a good time for that.
1: Let's talk about Boston College a little bit. They lost, or they had a a, a really nice victory over Northern Illinois. They showed um, great resiliency there after losing a ten point lead, and then Wake Forest it it all fell apart. Anthony Brown three interceptions, uh, pick six, another one that was returned inside the five. Most of what Wake Forest accomplished offensively with scoring thirty four points was a result of the the, uh, the miscues on offense for Boston College. The biggest difference I see in Boston College from, especially when Steve Adazios is now his fifth year, in their first two years they really ran the ball well, including their quarterback, Tyler Murphy. They're not running the football well now either, and that's real disaster for Boston College because their passing game, although Anthony Brown gives them more athleticism and is a dual threat, if they can't run the ball consistently against Notre Dame, they have no chance of scoring points and less Notre Dame turnovers that lead to, to short
3: scores and they lost their starting center so it's not good that to is get that it. is really huge
1: and um
3: I think Pete did a good interview with their right sales. uh to O-line you it's true they churn they them out and when they're not going pro they're really good college lines and that that hurts a lot he's the anchor uh I mean he's, I'm not comparing the ability to play but it's you know if if Notre Dame was out there and they lost their best lineman Quentin Nelson it would be a major problem for your team. Certainly, it might even be a bigger one for them because they don't have the other guys to bat you. They, they, don't have they so just don't line.
1: have. They just don't have a bunch of playmakers. Their receiving core, I think, is a little bit improved and has a little bit of size in some spots. Jeff Smith, a former quarterback, is playing wide yeah. receiver for them, but they are just—they're not running the football, Hillmans who was a 900-yard rusher a couple years ago, is not uh, not accomplishing a whole lot on the ground.
3: Prediction, Jeff Smith, the former uh, quarterback, will not score touchdowns like every former quarterback that played wide receiver against Notre Dame last year. Left and right, everywhere you looked. Duke, Virginia Tech, everywhere you looked, there was a former quarterback scoring touchdowns a wide receiver. Not yeah. happening this time.
2: Yeah, the true freshman at center, I think, with yeah. what we've seen from Notre Dame on defense, if you combine the true freshman center with a registered freshman quarterback... Ten points would be a lot. <laughs>
1: this, Yes, Jerry, Jerry Tillery and Jonathan Bonner should have a field. That it, it, playing as well as they are or as improved as they've played, this is a huge opportunity for them this weekend.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the last time a Mike Elko defense faced Boston College last year, and allowed 2.7 yards per play, 167 total yards, and forced eight three-and-outs. The time before that, it just shut them out completely. So. I don't see how Boston College has any success. I I am to the point where I'm confident that Notre Dame's defense will make a bad quarterback look bad now, which I haven't been for a while. This is a bad quarterback. So I think that they will make Boston College's offense look bad. And that's why...
1: It, and it's too early to tell. It's too early to say that Mike, Elhoe, Mike Elko, has completely changed this defense because they've got three road games in, in the next four. This shouldn't be the first but one. This that looks different, though. No, this yeah. this game should not be that way, and that's one of the reasons why I'm encouraged about Notre Dame going on the road, despite the recent statistics. Is that I think Notre Dame's going to pack their defense when they go on the road through the next four weeks. I think North Carolina, despite losing a lot of playmakers, have some athletes there that'll give you problems, but. Isn't it interesting that not only is Elko developing a better defense, better individually and better collectively, and at the same time developing depth, which is a completely foreign idea at Notre Dame.
3: And I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but Jay Hayes yesterday, I asked him about creating a new line of scrimmage and how they're better at that. He said it's all about the freedom to play and discipline, and those seem different but there, he said we are disciplined in what we do and thus we have the freedom to play that's a that's really a great, interesting comment. it was a very he used those together and those don't those aren't what defensive linemen usually use together discipline and freedom
2: yeah that's yes. true i i just i think the rams defense will play great this yeah, weekend i do too um you know maybe there will be a big play or a bust here or there but i i'd be surprised if it was more than one cuz that you watch the structure of the defense over the last couple of weeks they're not they're not turning guys loose when Georgia hit big plays in the passing game is cuz they made big plays in the passing game like that happens in football
1: they have scholarships yeah right.
2: they're pretty good guys that's so why it's, it's that's really, okay
1: it's really critical to protect football in this game cuz that's the only way Boston College yes. can score if you give them a short field or a pick six or something like that boston college going seven plays 80 yards you know no nine plays 75 yards that just should not happen this weekend and it won't
3: no, so, so.
2: O'Malley, your prediction
3: well, heal you all know, the bad stats about Notre Dame on the road, I have one for you, for BC. When's the last time they beat a Power 5 team at home? Boston College. Power at five. home! <laughs> you tell us. 2014. Hmm. Two full seasons they played without beating a Power 5 oh. team in their home stadium. It's not going to be this week. I think Notre Dame, I think Boston College will play their best game of the year, because they're up for it more than anything else, but their offense couldn't score to keg party. It's 30-10 to 10 Notre Dame. Handle them easily. If, they, if this game is close with five minutes to play in the third quarter, I think there's a shame major, on the, major shame problem. On Notre Dame. And that, I think it would be a problem going forward almost. Unless it's just the craziest confluence of events like 2015, where I kept turning it over in the red zone and weird things happened. But I'm in the 30 to 10, 30 to 13 range.
2: I'm just going to copy the score from 2012, 21 6. Last time they played at Boston College, you like the D a lot more for BC this week, then. I, yes, okay, I do. I I do not see Boston College getting to double figures. No, Uh, I mean, you like Boston College really holding them down, though. Yeah, Yeah, I I don't think Notre Dame's gonna come in and just whoop them on offense. Um, and I'd say that if Anthony Brown throws a pick six, then. I'm going to go up 21. Yeah, I'm just saying scorer, in normal yeah. circumstances, okay. Notre Dame will score 3 offensive touchdowns on long drives. They won't look great offensively, but they'll look good enough and Boston College will have no shot at all.
1: Think about how bad Boston College has to be for Notre Dame to be a 13-point favorite on the road. You know, I mean <laughs> um well, MVP yeah. powerhouse and yet and inside? yet I've <laughs> been writing about all week and tweeting about all week. This series is a low-scoring series. The last 12 games that have been played, the average combined score of the two teams is 36 points. It's ridiculous. You know, we were on So, the now it could be so game. it could be 36, could for, be 27 to for all 9.
3: We're wrong for all the times we're wrong. I'll just say that on the podcast. We were all over. The game in 2015. It was the preseason, this is a trap, this is going to yeah. go terribly. Not as bad as it did, but I think we had B.C. Notre Dame winning by like 7 in the craziest, awful game, and it was even worse than we thought it was going to be. But I don't see it again. I don't I
1: don't think... I I agree with Notre Dame covering, even though everything says... Pete's score would concern me for the rest of the year. 21-6? Yeah.
3: Got to be able to... 21-21? You can't create something defensively with a short field against B.C. Mm-hmm. And, you know... I guess I'm not that much higher. Thirty. It's not crazy. It's couple field goal drives,
1: but yeah. You know. I put Boston College's maximum points of thirteen. Yeah. The, the minimum at zero. The spread. And uh, no, well, no you spe- know what? I, no, no I would say they're, yeah. they're, they, it looks like they found a kicker. He's four for four. He actually has has kicked pretty well. So two field goals. Yeah. Six. There you go. There you go. Um, we don't need to play. I think I'm, I'm inclined to agree in Nordame covering, but I'm I'm. Hesitant to go up into the 30s because the trend in this series yeah. is so. And Boston College's defense is still still Boston College's defense. So I'm in the the Lions 13. I'm in the 27-13 score range. You yeah, gave your prediction early. Just, well, I have that yeah. last couple weeks, and I've actually stuck with it. and um, I'm 2-0 against the spread, so maybe I should go ahead and do
2: that. All right, well, that's it for segment one, Irish Illustrated Insider. We got questions from our readers. We'll tackle all that next.
0: Irish Illustrated Insider is brought to you by Anderson, Augustino & Keller, Attorneys at Law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino & Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com.
2: Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider Segment 2. We got a bunch of questions from Twitter, but they're all about the wide receivers, basically, and we had a question from our reader about that, so don't feel neglected if we're not answering your wide receiver question. But we did have one Twitter question that I thought was interesting that I'm going to spring out on O'Malley and Priest here, and it's from Fritz. And he wants to know, What would have to happen on Saturday to silence all the Kelly detractors? Nothing this Saturday. Oh, that's not, that's not humanly that's possible. That's impossible. No way? Nothing. nothing. 50 to nothing. 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 Nobody would care. Half the fan base won't...
3: No way. <laughs> no way? I know... All right. I have friends that have been traveling to road games for 25 years. They're not going to a game this year. And I guarantee you half of them don't watch this game. Because of the Georgia game. Now, you okay. could can, can call that out as a bad fan or whatever, but it means they want something to change. To, and I am telling you... No, I know.
1: To I'm, not even watch is a, I mean, that's just... That's a bad fan. I get that going you not. Man.
3: No, I would watch I, the games. I, I'm just saying. I'm just telling you... <laughs> I know plenty of people that don't care about this game, and they will look and see that Notre Dame won. And if they don't win, then they'll say, okay, well now our uh, what we want to happen at the end of the year will happen. There's nothing that can happen this week. Okay. Um, there is something that can happen in the next four weeks. Win, 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 and win with three road wins. Yep. And, and look decent. Brian
1: Kelly can get the fans back when, if, when, they're 6-1. And, and Beating us, Beating right. USC. Right, Totally right. agree. I mean, so nothing this week, right? To get... No, nor next week. Even though Michigan
2: State is, I would be is playing good football. I'd be, and going to be
3: if they. I will be super impressed if they win all three road games. I'm on record as saying they won't. Yeah, I don't know. I can't. I mean, I, it's funny because it's really two road games now. Because I can't imagine them losing this one, but there's a cumulative effect for me. So I would be very impressed if they win all three road games. and I would think, man, he really. Has a quality team here, and then you can't judge them too harshly against USC. It's just you can't keep losing to all, all the good teams. But right.
1: <laughs> do, do you, Pete? Do you think there's anything that fifty to nothing can be, be done? Better?
2: I think fifty to nothing would like some people be like, "Ooh, hey, I'm excited for the, I'm I'm reengaged for the season." Maybe not. I'm back in love with the head well, coach. They, they aren't but I want to keep. It's so like Ooh, Wimbush threw for six touchdowns. I like, got one. It's oh, yeah, exciting. Fifty to nothing.
3: Three Dexter Williams touchdowns. Two Chase Claypool <laughs> touchdowns. <laughs> And oh, uh, a tight end scores on a touchdown, being with a blocking tight end in front of them, that would make that would be exciting. That would, <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't think people. This game is just go out and win and, and move on.
2: So you nothing. This, this nothing game is happen. viewed at like the level of Temple or Rice. Yeah, but that shouldn't be. But it is viewed that way. The yeah. alarming thing is if your defense gives up a bunch of points. That
1: that's alarming. I I, I mean, I don't know why anyone would expect the offense to score
2: fifty. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, no,
3: I awful, or even 40. Or even 40. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I felt yeah. high end when I was saying 30. I, yeah, I mean, felt, the yeah. last
2: time they went over 31 points on Boston College was 1997. Right. Been a while.
3: They had 31 with Kelly, right? His first year?
2: Yep. And that was just as bad
3: of a team for BC, only they had Chase Reddick. We was a fit of this quarterback, though. That was his first
2: start. Was right? he? I don't know Not if he that. was. Not that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Next question. Dashing Domer. When writing, do you feel pressured to satisfy the general mood of your customer base, or do you feel more compelled to respond objectively to what you have witnessed on the field and all the factors affecting the program at any given point in time? Is that an either-or proposition? It's not
3: an either-or proposition because I think in my column, I feel compelled to respond objectively to what I witnessed on the field with all the factors affecting the program, and sometimes that gets taken poorly. For instance, when they beat Miami last year... I basically wrote, it's the same as all the other games. There's nothing better about this. They happen to recover a fumble. Um, I I try to write the column with the mood of the customer base in mind, because that's relevant, right? I mean, taking the Temple game alone and writing a column about it isn't that interesting. And taking, it's not fair to take the Georgia game alone. Right. You have to take the big picture into it. It's you gotta take the BC game alone and talk about what a moment it was for Notre Dame and the fans to beat BC, who hasn't beaten anyone in three years. You kind of got to take the mood of the fan base in it, right? Yeah, I think you have to. We do analysis of a game, where right, we're totally to, in the but, game, but
1: not the column. Be, but because it's a because that column is written once a week, I think you have to, or at least I try to. This is what happened. This is big picture at this point. Right. The overriding factor for me in writing a column is the truth. Yes. Now, sometimes the truth is harsh. Sometimes readers think it's, it's too harsh. Well,
3: it's been harsh for a while and I think I'm sure people are getting sick of us being harsh for I, maybe well, the, yeah, like it, the Miami it, game. I didn't it didn't I, How was it, a celebrate beat Miami last How week. would it be Ball anything the ground, they got it. I mean,
1: how would it be anything but harsh when you've lost 10 out of 15 games? That's what it mean, to me, that to it. me that's that's the truth. That's the reality of where you are. I, I as difficult as a a ninth close loss win or a close loss game out of ten was, I still felt after the game that this is a better team and that sure. they're that they're going to they are going to be a five and one um, when USC comes around. That is that that's an effort to balance how I'm feeling yeah. and how I'm thinking about the game. But the overriding fact, the overriding determination in writing a column, I think, is. To write the truth, and I don't think that we've done anything but write the truth the last fifteen games.
2: I
3: agree with that. I guess from the other point of view, a fan could be sick of hearing about the overriding truth and might just want to hear Georgia's really good. Notre Dame was right there. They would have gotten that's still the past. They would have gotten killed last year by they would have gotten killed last year by Georgia. Yes, they would have gotten destroyed. But I don't know if that. If that's that great of a compliment either. I it, it's hard not to write about the overriding truth of a team that's 17 and 17 since the Florida State game. Yeah,
2: Pete, I look at it from the perspective of I I know a fan is reading this, opposed to just some random person who clicked on IrishShotsRight um, <laughs> after the Temple game. Yeah, come up the how <laughs> um, That wasn't what I was googling. Uh, so I definitely come into it from the perspective of that. As a fan, you you probably have a really good understanding of like what's happening around here. Some good knowledge of seventeen and seventeen, or one and nine in uh, one score games, or the fact that Brandon Wimbush is starting his second game, or the fact that you watch the game and they're actually played pretty well, especially on defense. Um. So, but I, I sort of look at it as I want to approach it from a fresh angle that is not so obvious. Um, Well, it's
3: good, because you do it the next day, late in the day. Yeah,
2: so that's what I'm... There's where I'm trying to go with it. Um,
3: You generally can include some Brian
2: Kelly, too, because that is part of the story. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. I guess I at least get the context of what he said on Sunday. Big games Um, is part of it. Yeah, so that's... I do feel like sometimes the big picture just blots out everything else, uh, and I struggle with that, because it's like if you're just writing the big picture, then I think the game's sort of become in some ways lost because you're the big picture's been painted before the, the kickoff. Um so I think one of the the hard things to do with editorials that you know we're putting out on Saturday and Sunday is just to be able to spot when the narrative changed and when a new this was the first stroke of a new big picture. And that's what I think you could come away if you were an optimist, uh after Georgia, you could look at that and say like I think this might be the start of a new big picture even though it feels like the tail end of an old one. I I mean,
1: I think I wrote about three themes last week. You can't keep losing close games. The defense is much better and because of that, they can go on the road and have success. But I think the overriding message that with stuck with yeah, was that and it was presented harshly because that's I mean, we're we're columnists. That's Part of, part of what you do, and losing nine out of ten close games, uh, is on the coach. I think if I lost nine one-run games out of ten games, it actually
3: goes back before last year. It goes through Stanford. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's where the beginning of it is. Right, they yeah. won some close games and in it, BC and, and Temple and Virginia, obviously.
2: I think somebody made a fair point on our board where they said well, like, the players have changed. And my response was like, well, the co- head coach hasn't. Like, he's flipping the coin, and it keeps coming up tails. There's you still something is
1: weird there. You, you still didn't make a decision, call a play, insert a player that, Made a difference. that that made, that, that made it a win, right the made the difference between a win and a loss. I have
3: for, I don't know why I did this. Uh, it was for a different exercise, but this really is related to this. So those losses there was seven. I was because they were seventeen. It's it's weird to me that he was so good, forty three and fifteen or whatever, and then seventeen and seventeen from FSU. So the losses are had a chance to. That's dating back to Georgia, starting with Georgia, had a chance to win at the end with a field goal fumbled. USC handled them. Had a chance to win or tie against Virginia. Tech on the last drive. Downs. Seven minutes to stop Navy, get the ball back. Couldn't do it. Um, had a chance to beat Stanford. Turnover on downs in the red zone. NC State was the fumble. It's kind of a weird one, of course. Uh, with the ball against Duke to win, to turn it over on downs is unconscionable. That's ridiculous. Uh, Michigan State, chance to tie. Down, They punted and turned it over on downs. Mm-hmm. Um, overtime against Texas, they got the field goal. Texas got the touchdown. And then Stanford, they had 23 seconds to stop Stanford from going to field goal range, they didn't do it. Those are all really bad. They're not all really on the coach, but you they're all a, on something. You uh, had an
1: inadvertent face mask penalty, but...
3: Yep, <laughs> but it's there um, by a good player. You know, and before that, so they hung on to beat BC. Um, they actually, you know what? Let's be fair, though. It they, they was a terrible game, but they... Oh, Matthias Farley recovered an outside kick. If he doesn't, we're talking about a 10th in the biggest upset. Yeah. Uh, they... Great play by Will Fuller to beat Temple. Great play by Will Fuller to beat Virginia. Clemson... Had a chance to win their tie, and they didn't. Like that's that's a lot recently.
1: It's it's an yeah, overwhelming. So basically, amount. you'd had
3: three close wins, especially Temple of Virginia, were really good wins to pull out, and uh, you'd had another loss with Clemson. So you're three and eleven,
1: not very good. Seven, yeah. Statman seventy two. Will Notre Dame emphasize the running game against BC to rebuild the confidence of the O line, or emphasize the passing game to further Wimbush's development?
2: I think they'll emphasize the running game to win the game. I don't think that the offensive line needs its confidence rebuilt at all. Nor do I think the Boston College game would rebuild it if it needed to be rebuilt. I just I think the offensive line is fine. They'll emphasize the running game to rebuild Brandon Wimbush the passer. That's how I think they'll do it. Yeah, I would agree. By I, I a mean, play action quarterback.
1: I don't, It's not an either or. There's not an either or answer yeah. here. Um, it's difficult running against Boston College, but Chip Long will try. I think we know. You know, Notre Dame struggled running the football, but we know he will try to establish a running game. Um, but if that's not going anywhere, well, then you have to throw it a little bit more, like they did last week.
3: I want Brandon Wimbush to be less involved to make him better. He's too involved. He's too involved. He Single can't handle it. hits, please. He, yeah, he can't handle the uh, the amount. I don't mean the amount of hits he, I, that too, but he he it's all on him. Yeah, that it shouldn't w- all be on him. And that was
2: what I, that was one of the things I wrote over the weekend because I I thought that they maybe had evolved out of this after the Temple game, and maybe they haven't. Just like, I realize you can't ask the quarterback to have the same responsibilities as the left guard, but they put a lot on the quarterback here, and I kind of felt like at Temple, maybe maybe they're starting to move away from that. Maybe they're spreading the wealth around in terms of the responsibilities of making plays, and then the Georgia game happened, and it's like, "Eh, this kind of feels like it's back to the way it was before. I think
1: it's difficult to judge that when the offensive line gets its ass kicked. I mean, I, I just, so the alternative is Brandon Wimbush handing it off to somebody else. Yeah. Right? I mean. I, well, they didn't have a
3: lot As of opposed to read option. Yeah, yeah, they didn't have a lot of, they, I guess they didn't have a lot of chances against Georgia. That an excuse, it's true. They mean, they, they probably had to have Brandon Wimbush gain some yards on keepers
2: he didn't gain, right? They just yeah. weren't you're, getting there. You're not going to beat a great defense with a game manager quarterback.
1: You know, and if, I mean, really, <laughs> if one play would have been different, Notre Dame would have won, but. The O'Quara penalty in the third and two decision by Wimbush, when Notre Dame was winning by two midway through the fourth quarter, and they were winning in both instances. Those were such critical plays because
2: Daelin Hayes missed tackle on third down. Yeah, yeah,
3: it a lot of. Yeah, it was about a 15, 20 yard swing, eighteen yard swing. So yeah, there's there plenty were... though. I mean, Georgia drops a touchdown.
1: Right, and that that has to be. It was pointed out in by us several times No, No, Notre could have
3: started the game with a touchdown. They got to field a lot of it. That would have been a nice way to start the game
2: and loosen up Georgia, though, the flea flicker touchdown. Because it was there for a touchdown, yeah. for sure. Georgia was probably like, yeah, it would have been nice to start with a kickoff return touchdown. Yes. It's <laughs> just like, you know, it cuts, it cuts both ways, and it did. it did on Saturday. All right, Dip98, channeling all of all <laughs> every, everyone's non-Dexter Williams questions into a one. Through two games, we were getting zero or near zero projection from Alize Mack... Tony Jones Jr., Chase Claypool, Miles Boykin, and Kevin Stefferson. Who's the most important guy to get involved and why? Mac, because he's the missing weapon that is reasonable.
3: Um, I would say Jones Jr. is 2A because he's going to be playing. So you want more out of him because I think he's a playmaker. Claypool is theoretical, but boy, they need uh, confident Chase Claypool to get two shots down the seam and one jet sweep every game. You know, that's just something they need in this offense. Stefferson, I don't know how far he is from playing. He goes to number two if he's a real contributor in October. I just don't know if he can be a real contributor at this point, and Boykin is not involved in my list of what you absolutely need.
1: I There's really, I don't know that I can disagree with anything <clears throat> that you said there. I think Elize Mack is number one. If Stefferson's going to play, he's right there with him. Uh, Jones Jr. is part of their game plan in a a couple different ways, in the passing game, in the split back. Um, And Claypool is a talent that they need to, I don't know if you need to improve his confidence catching the football, but he needs to be a better player, and they need to find a way to get him involved. Miles Boykin is third on the depth chart.
2: That's on Miles Boykin, not Notre Dame. (laughs) <laughs> LJ Mack has played 78 snaps so far this season. The rest of the guys on the list have played 60. So, so he's, I, I, he's already he's already involved. He just needs to Catch figure out a way to be more productive. <laughs> as he is, I don't. I mean, I don't think they're they're really playing the wrong guys as much as somebody asked me. Uh, do you think they should be playing Ian Book? I'm like, no. Like, oh, these are, these are Please. the guys that they have. Um, roll with them. But you do need you need to get more out of Mac, more out of Claypool. I mean, Claypool only had 19 snaps. Could he have been more productive those 19? Yeah, absolutely. He got one he, chance. He had a me. drop last yeah. week. Um, when you have when you have your opportunity, you got to seize it. And then, who knows what happens with Stefferson, But. I think I say Mac on offense for all the talk about the receiver position, I feel like he's sort of the missing link that's still a little bit missing. Um, they need to figure out a way for him to be a threat. Yeah, to he, and
1: he's caught four passes. He had a big thirty-two yarder last week. He's been inconsistent, and as you say, Pete, he's—I mean, he's getting—he's getting tons of snaps. They keep working him for sure. Um, and he, I, he
3: needs to be more than catching four passes, dropping three passes, and not being.
1: Oh, that, no, I mean, of course. No there's, no, there's no doubt there's no doubt about he that. He
3: looks nothing like this is this is horrible. I'm using the blue goal game. He looks nothing like the guy that's running down the seam and doing deep crossing routes the entire time The question, was, the, pass, the question you know? said
1: zero production, and he has produced, he's been inconsistent and should have produced more. I think Dexter Williams should be on this list. Would be he be sure. ahead of Mac? No. No, he'd be two. No. You because you have you have your lead back. Um Although I guess you oh, say you have too. your lead receiver in yeah. St. Brown, but you need compliments to your lead receiver. Um, They'd
3: both be great to be on this list. You know, Mack whatever. Was.
1: It doesn't matter what the ranking is. Dexter Williams needs to be more involved. LZ Mack needs to be better. Claypool needs to be more involved, and he will be if he's more consistent. Jones Jr. will
2: get his opportunities, I think, because he's he's in the mix and has been. Nurbach. what do you want slash need to see out of Notre Dame against Boston College that would give you confidence in the team going forward this season? Good game by Brandon Wimbush. A very good game by Brandon Wimbush would give me
3: total confidence in the offense. Put all the confidence I had in them going into the season back. Um, probably related to that is, is Mac playing a, a role, a major six catches, 85 yards. He's emerging as a football player. The defense is going to play fine.
1: Well, I that, that I would put defense first because I yeah. I agree. I think they're going to play fine, but if they you know if they give up 400 yards, then you'll be worried. That's a, yeah. then you'll be worried. I think this is a this should be a less than 300 yard game for Boston College. It's
3: also going to be weird to think of 400 yards because <clears> <throat> no one's ever voluntarily played eight defenders in a whole game before. Because that's the only way they're going four 400 yards.
2: To yeah, this team yeah. offense. Right. I I'm definitely on the on Wimbush here. That's that's I think the biggest variable this weekend. That would shape my opinion of the rest of the season. You're assuming the offensive line has a good game? Yes. Okay. They'll be fine. Offensive line will be fine. I think Dexter Williams will play. I think the defense will be good to very good, maybe great. Um, But Wimbush, I just don't know. And I wanted to work this into my extra points. I just didn't really figure out. It wasn't coming together for me. What if Brandon Wimbush is just not that accurate? I had that question multiple times. I can I, I just can't go there yet. I can't. Either. I can't. I just can't go there yet. I think it was I, the game
3: situation with his yeah. happy feet, and he's his. He's he couldn't set his feet first of all because when he did, he got hit in the face. Right. I mean, he got hit in the chest when he set his feet. I think he got happy feet in that pocket, and I don't blame him. Really. I mean, if you I, I, we, what was at, his internal clock thinking by the middle of that game? Just like, what. Yeah, right. Yeah,
1: and he did that thir- that decision not to turn it up on third and 2 was because of the punishment that he had taken prior to that. Now that's that's weakness on his part.
2: Yeah, there was that when he went out of bounds on third down like he wasn't gonna I don't get the, know what he, that. I he think, wasn't going to get the first and he was I thought, told But he reacted like it, yeah, yeah like, like I I didn't oh, know where. Or, was the, yeah. And he
1: did make a comment after the game about down and distance although maybe that was a third and 2. Yeah, I don't know.
2: He when I I asked him after the game is there a play that you would want to have back and he said the third and two okay rush okay a kick right outside. okay uh, but the other one, i i think the the other scramble on third down doesn't speak to toughness or anything it speaks to just like his head was spinning i don't think he really knew what was happening
3: to credit but, um, him he had that great spin move on third down that was really okay well support. my
1: question if we if you include fink as a drop pass which i don't think i did then it was five drop passes so and I know in a game you're not gonna generally you're not going to go without a drop. But if, if he if they catch those passes, he's 25 for 40. What more? Uh, he, what, what more would you have expected against a Georgia defense that's collapsing
2: your offensive line? I think 25 out of 40 would have been a really good game. Well, he had five drops. Yeah. One for a 75 yard touchdown. <laughs> that's true. Although he he underthrew him, he had to hit that. That was him though. But that was more him than he we've came.
1: overanalyzed. Let's uh, they need to play another game to see right <laughs> yes, Wimbush play, yes, yes. You know, so to get, <laughs> I mean
2: to get back like the other side, the other there's another side of this argument. Is Georgia also had some drop passes of Brandon Wimbush? I mean, how different? True. Would, how Very differently true. would true. we be? Doing I'm not that?
1: disagreeing with you. I'm just and I, this we were talking this about the same thing Monday. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I just.
3: There's not enough on <laughs> to, Brandon to say
1: right that now. Brandon Wimbush is not going to be accurate based upon the Georgia game because of the way the offensive line got manhandled. I just can't go there yet. We've seen yeah. Brandon Wimbush yeah.
2: be accurate practice yes. after
1: practice after
2: practice and I'm not going there yet. I'm just saying what if? Like what okay. if we miss the boat on this one based on what we've seen in practice? And I just looked over t- the two game stats For Wimbush and Kaiser. Now, yes, Texas and Nevada is not Georgia and Temple. Not even close. But on passes of five yards and less, Wimbush is 18 of 26. Kaiser was 16 of 18 with three touchdowns. Wimbush, zero touchdowns. Passes from five to 20. Kaiser, through two games last year, was 12 of 14 for a buck 81 and three scores. Wimbush is 15 of 31 for a buck 88 and two scores. That's a I percent Kaiser's
3: 12th and 13th start, though. Yeah, I mean that makes it. T- and, where, and 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 yeah. what role is the, the, there's just
2: a huge gulf between those. But what
1: and numbers. then what you have to factor in the wide receiver core and and where are they now as a group? It, I meant to ask Brian Kelly that Tuesday. I'm asking it tonight. Where where is your where's your wide receiver core at this point? Because that's a factor too. So you have drops, you have inexperience, mm-hmm. you have an offensive line getting caved in. I, I just I I don't know. Yeah, I mean I just can't I can't come to the conclusion or even wonder yet is Brandon Wimbush ever going to be accurate? I think that's you
3: know what I think uh, that's
1: too far. We actually have a two game set to find
3: out because this is not easy quarterbacking on the road for BC and Michigan State. He has the hardest no, job it's because not. the offensive line should do fine.
1: The strength of the I line. mean BC secondary is it's good is yeah. notable. The
3: defense should do fine in these two games. Michigan
1: State's. Defensive numbers so far against have they given up they haven't given up a touchdown. I mean touch they're
2: off they're off the chart yeah numbers right now. So, um, yeah, I mean that's I think it all goes back to what we said at the very top of this podcast. What are you most interested <laughs> to see on Saturday? Brandon Wilbush yeah. it'll yeah. be the same answer no, I, for I, Michigan State. I don't disagree. I just
1: for me first and foremost, the the defense. If the defense is as good as we think they're going to be this weekend, they'll score enough points to win.
3: So getting away from the big picture, because I answered too big picture, what does Notre Dame need to do to have bring back the fans for this game? They can't do anything in the big picture, but if Brandon Wimbush is pretty good and good in these next two games, it would bring back the diehard fan that wants to know what's going on with Notre Dame football because... That is a great sign. If he does well in these two games, so you agree with my fifty to nothing win with six touchdowns <laughs> from Brandon Wimbush?
2: Coming around to my point of view, O'Leary, we're gonna
3: have to call a lot of people who don't know yeah. what happened. But there's all
2: right. Uh, another
1: offensive question in the passing game: Go Irish, go five. Should we be concerned with the lack of vertical passing attack through two games? How important is it that this particular team be able to
2: connect on long shots down the field moving forward? Concerned? Yeah, I, I think very concerned. Because that this was this was part of the reason we were told they brought Cam Smith and Freddie Canteen in to begin with, Because they didn't have enough speed at the wide receiver position. But now that we've seen Smith and Canteen, they don't have enough speed at the wide receiver position. Well, they're uh, certainly not. They're. I mean, Cam
1: Smith isn't running anything, running many routes downfield.
2: Yeah, the whole take the top off the defense thing
1: is not uh, not happening. So, so they misevaluated a,
0: a maybe they a, just an medically... experienced
1: player and brought him in as a fifth-year. He's
3: doing fine for them, though. Yeah, no, I agree. He just shouldn't be their second receiver. But we shouldn't. Be, we, we i got to stop penalizing Cam Smith for being their second receiver. It's not his fault. Right. He did everything he could do, and he worked himself into the second receiver role. It's like when people were mad at Tommy Reese for starting 31 games. not his fault. <laughs> yeah, for John <laughs> Ryan. Yeah, we're all over. But Cam, I'm not saying another Brad word about Cam Smith. It's, he's worked his way to the role that no one else can get. It's just he's not great at it yet. Yeah. we good.
2: And uh, this was not something that they were like, one, their best deep threat wide receiver is not in uniform or on the bench. It's, I don't think he was in uniform. It's Kevin on, Stefferson. On Saturday. I don't I think, think he was in uniform at home. By far. And to, like, to go back to those the two game split numbers with Kaiser and Wimbush, Wimbush is 4 of 12 on throws over 20 yards for a Buck 21, which is actually not bad because through two games last year, Kaiser was. One of nine for 30 yards and a score. Um, It wasn't like he was lighting it up with the deep ball. So, it uh, and unlike 2015 when he was, that had everything to do with the guy catching it and not the guy throwing it. Wimbush doesn't have a guy to to really catch him right now because that guy's not playing. You're saying Will Fuller was better than having a bunch of receivers running around? Good lord. Yeah, I like I like the first round pick (laughs) wide receiver versus a bunch of guys. It's just my opinion. Yeah, well, don't we know. don't know enough. I'm, <laughs> I'm sticking to it. <laughs> and, Tim, do you have any comments? <laughs> no, we need, a, no we need a,
1: deep, we need game. a football game. Man. <laughs> we need to see a football game badly
2: because we've dissected the heck out of this. All right, well, we will talk to you next from Chestnut Hill. Uh, Notre Dame, Boston College, Saturday. Afternoon kick, 3.30 start. Priester and I will be out there, so we will talk to you Saturday. Pre-game analysis analysis, post-game analysis analysis, column game coverage analysis. All that good stuff coming this weekend. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by IrishIllustrated.com.